require personalized programming, we have our team of Red Pill coaches available to help you with your performance needs, regardless of your competitive level. Please get in touch at redpilltraining.com. Hello and welcome to another Red Pill podcast, this time recorded from my humble abode. Good morning, all. Good morning, John. <laughs> Sorry. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, sir. How's life treating you, Jouse? Like a roller coaster. You just got to ride it. Why do you have to ride it? Because Ronan told me to. Who's Ronan? Ronan Keaton. Ronan is in, as in, like Boyzone. Boyzone. Yeah, do you not remember? No. No. Hey, it's one of the classics from back in the day. Ronan Keaton, what did he do? What would I know? Well, Boyzone didn't really do any of their own songs, did they? They just did covers, so it probably wasn't even Ronan Keaton. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Didn't he do the one, um, Smile on Your Lips? <laughs> Smile. <laughs> how, how does that one go? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I <laughs> Who's going to sing first? I don't think they want me to sing. Um, the Truth in Your Eyes says, You'll Never Leave Me. Touch of the wind. <laughs> isn't that isn't that isn't that yeah, Boyzone? zone? I, I don't I can kind of recognise the words. I just yeah. need a bit more of the rhythm. Oh, you, you need to clarify yeah. it a bit more. My rhythm's in my feet, not in my voice. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, you are a good dancer. I am a good dancer. Well, yeah. Not on my level. But we won't go there. No, but I have hair. <laughs> <laughs> so yes just call me the lighthouse family <laughs> what's the um, what's the topic of the podcast today my friend the topic of the podcast is me interviewing you are you interviewing me are you yeah I'm going to ask you some questions because I think you've got some cool experiences you've had over the last half a year or so um, that have kind of open your eyes to different approaches across cultures of sport um, relative to weightlifting and CrossFit in particular. I think it'd be uh, cool for people to hear. Um, so you obviously, you've been working in CrossFit with myself, helping me out with, well, yeah, we're working together with our athletes and helping them develop. And big part of CrossFit is weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting. And you've obviously recently been to the weightlifting world championships in, as uh, yeah, you say it, Turkmenistan. Turkmenistan. Um, with Sarah, um, and came back with some. It was an eye-opening experience for you. Um, so, what would, what was your kind of first impressions of the like being in that environment? Being in Turkmenistan or the weightlifting environment? The weightlifting environment. <laughs> the, the, the world weightlifting environment in Turkmenistan. They were two very different experiences, I must uh, I must say. Um, apart from um, apart from the the sort of, I think, generally start with the feel of it, I think it would be nice to say the, the atmosphere of, of how relaxed it was um, and how and how well 
how people were just worried about themselves in the right way, how ego egotistical it was, but but in a good way. And there was sort of not the there was not the sort of what's he doing, what's she doing. Of course, there is that rivalry, and everyone wants to beat each other. But but people were sort of just getting on with their own business. They're they're at their platform, their area. Um, I likened it very much to to swimming, swim coaching. I've, I've coached a, 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 not a lot of swimming, but a, a reasonable amount of swimming. Where on in the mornings you get to the pool and and there's probably five squads training and there's five different coaches all have an assistant coach maybe 10 coaches around the pool and you sort of go there in the morning you all shake hands as a sort of just as a, a morning gesture and then you get on and you work with your athletes and they don't look at yours and you sort of have this sort of you have your own lanes and it was very much like that it was very much like you got your own lane <coughs> excuse me um, and you have your own sort of area and and no one has it sort of it, was, it wasn't as opinionated um, as I was potentially expecting Um like what, what made you kind of expect why, why were you expecting it to be opinionated but in fairness it was my own mistake because because it's the same whenever you whenever you see people who are good at things they make things look easy and the reason people coach at the very highest level or the reason or the sorry the determining factor for me of coaches at the very elite level are how simplistic they've made their sport and how simplistically they understand their sport um, and I think once you come off the top level of, I'm not talking about weightlifting now, I'm talking about sport in general. If you can, once you come off the top level, the level below and the level below that typically are where everybody overcomplicates everything. And everybody then through lack of, through lack of understanding, which drives insecurity, um, then overcoach or do too much or try to over explain or try to be sort of too detailed with things um, and I've always said beginners are very easy to work with and the best in the world are very easy to, 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 to work with and the guys in the middle who who consider themselves a lot better than beginners and perhaps consider themselves a little bit better than they are are a very difficult group to work with from an athletic standpoint but they're also from the coach's standpoint they're very difficult to work with because they're the sort of guys who have that level of insecurity and a lot of the weightlifting coaches I've experienced and worked with and, and, and mentored or helped tend to overcomplicate a lot of the processes tend to want to argue over essentially nothing tend to be sort of quite dominant and quite domineering where when you sort of walk into this environment um, as is in any environment uh, at the very top level you walk in and all the coaches shake hands in the morning there's a mutual respect for each other they're all there for a reason they've all achieved something um, and they're all trying to make their athletes do their thing um, of course it's competitive but we, we we're used to competition um, and I think perhaps it was some of my own insecurities the first time I've been to a weightlifting competition of that magnitude of that so I was also, also perhaps the rookie in the room where I'm potentially used to being the most experienced coach in the room uh, I'm used to being the sort of the coach that has got several world championships under my belt or been to different places and done different things where this was one of the first times where I was almost on, on the away pitch if you know what I mean yeah. um, and so perhaps it was my just my own insecurities I should have thought of it before that, that of course that's how it'll be because that is how it is at the very top level of sport um, there the coaches actually interact the coaches actually can be reasonably good friends because they have that mutual respect for for each other um, and to walk into that environment and just feel the calmness of it and the relaxedness of it and it was just the business the business like of it it was very business like it was very look we're here to get a job done and, and that's what we're here for so it was my initial feeling initial feeling, initial feeling was, was almost sort of relief like oh it is the same in this sport as it is every other sport 
so is, are you saying then there's kind of is a difference between what you've experienced in CrossFit versus the weightlifting environment then? Very much so. I'm very much yeah. so. And I, th- I think that that's the, um, uh, if we talk about purely from a weightlifting standpoint now, um, I think that, that there's a lot, you know, as I said before, the further down the tree you come in terms of abilities of coaches, the more overcoaching you'll see and the more, uh, pride or the more a discussion and the more argument and the more sort of this is my area or this is mine and this is how it has to be done and this is the sort of it, it can only be done this way and there is no room for movement and I think the, it's, it's not just weight in any big business you know um, and I've, I've got some potentially different views on weightlifting than than what would be the standard um, I don't want to say CrossFit because I don't think CrossFit have a standard view of weightlifting but the coaches within CrossFit potentially have of weightlifting and and here actually my views or my ideas or the way we warmed up were more accepted than they would be even in CrossFit because I think CrossFit has a perception of what weightlifting is uh, or the coaches within CrossFit have a perception or the coaches I've met and then when I'm doing something different it's wrong um, where here um, what was quite interesting was especially in, in especially looking at the sort of um, the Asian uh, side of, of warming up and the Asian side I mean they had this <laughs> interestingly I was the last thing I expected to see was that they sent them all out for a run for warming up you know it's absolutely yeah. the last thing I expected to see at weightlifting competition but you sort of get there in the morning and uh, Bulgarian and uh, the Chinese and, and et cetera et cetera sort of the coach says right guys off you go and I mean we're not talking about half marathon <laughs> you know they went out yeah. and, but they sent them out to run to warm up and they're doing sort of to dynamic stretching drills of almost like a footballer would warm up um, and that was that was very interesting because if I did that for a weightlifting here at home or I said that you know people would be like well you know why hasn't he got weightlifting shoes on and why isn't he just drilling a bar um, and so that was the sort of first instinct was I'm at home here I felt more at home in the elite elite environment than I do potentially coaching weightlifting at a normal a normal gym somewhere yeah it's interesting that coach's perspective that you're talking about like how how you a coach almost needs to feel like on that competition day sounds like the coach needs to show in the in the that kind of middle just the same as the athlete the coach in that middle range um, field of athlete needs to feel that they're helping the athlete whereas the experienced coach like isn't necessarily doing as as much technical work like what kind of things did you see and witness and experience there well, well I think I think that's that's really interesting I mean I, I'm a I'm, I would naturally I will actually I'm naturally an analytical person you know psychology is my my primary passion um, so I'll naturally analyze the person or the relationship between coach and athlete not because I'm ju- it's not judgmental you know, I'm not looking at thinking he's bad or she's good or, or whatever I actually just it fascinates me um, and the the relationship between the top level coaches and their athletes is very is very calm and there's no coach I mean look if you're at world championships and you're three days before your world championships and you still need to be working on technical points you, you've done something wrong in the six months prior you know of course there's tu- there's difference between touching up um, and and um, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, there's a difference between uh, yeah, there's a difference between touching up in the in the, in the technical sense. That's what she said. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, 
and an outright technical coaching two days before yeah. World Championships. I think as a coach, if you're 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 getting something very very wrong if you feel the need to be and it's a lot of the times the coaches feeling their own insecurity that they need to give the athlete confidence by demonstrating they know something demonstrating they have knowledge and I don't say they're doing it because they want to be bad people it's just it's just this sort of so it's, just, it's all born out of the athlete feels a little bit insecure so the coach feels they need to plug that insecurity with some coaching and then the athlete gets a little bit confused yeah stressed and nervous and cognitively. The athlete sort of in lead up to the week, I mean, I often say that they start seven days before a competition, they go from being a 25, 26 year old or 30 year old to a 15 year old. And then six days they go to being a 12 year old and the last two, three days, they're cognitively probably not thinking clearer than a five, six year old, not because they're bad people, because they're stressed and that's what stress does to people. So as a coach in that environment there, if you're constantly bombarding with new technical information, they simply can't process it. And I think the the relationship between the elite coaches there is very much, okay, look, stick to things they're good at, make them feel success, help that five-year-old feel good. Um, where you look around the room and you see some of the less experienced coaches um, and they're... Did that occur even yeah. there, even, <coughs> even at that level? Massively, yeah. massively. I mean, um, there's no reason for me to mention names or countries or, or anything like that. But, you know, just just in our competition floor, when we were sort of competing, um, there was look, the girl who the girls who were winning um, and were good. You know, the coaches were coming out. Good. Remember this. One point, bang, let's get back, warm up, get ready for our next lift. The warm up for the next lift is process driven. It's very much like, when are you ready? What's the timings? Okay, you're good. It's very sort of, now I would like you to lift this two times. Now I'd like you to do, make this drill. Now I'd like you to do this, bang, good. Are you ready? Look at each other in the eye, yes, move on. Where the less experienced coaches were, oh, you missed the first point. And remember to, okay, remember to have your hands over here. Remember to have your knees forward. Remember to have your back straight. Remember, to, remember when you get under it, grip tight on the bar and it's just you can just see the athlete melting away into sort of a into a, a sort of a mess of nervous mess of thoughts mess of, too, too yeah, many too ner- much information nervousness is a nervousness and anxiety and and just just sort of just yeah drifting very much away from from what they're there for um and and then it becomes very outcome focused and it becomes very you need to lift this weight to get you know and and it's a shame. It's a shame to see that relationship. And again, I don't. This is, I'm not saying a coach are uh, bad people. It's just just inexperienced. Um, <clears throat> where, where, where? As I say, if, if they haven't got the technical aspects correct and they're not it's sort of in the cupboard, if you like, and locked away, by the time you get there, you're not getting them ten minutes before they go out on stage. So, so why are you focusing on that there? And then they need to be focused on making the best of what we've got. Because um, it's never going to be right. You're never going to look. You're never going to send an athlete out and go right. Everything looks perfect. So, so why are you even attempting to do? It? Why are you even? You know, that's the goal isn't perfection because you're never going to get to perfection. The goal is just being as best we can possibly be. Um, and and seeing that the difference in that environment in such a technical sport, um, such as weightlifting, um, in such, with the technicalities of what's going on, because it is it, it is very coachable. Um, it is a, a sport that requires a lot of coaching and a lot of work and a lot of um a lot of one-to-one time with the athlete so so i think that they perhaps carry having that dissection between now we're in our training phase and now we're in our competition phase having that sort of line to say right i'll often say to the athlete look we go in with what we've got now like this date will set the date will set the date long in advance and say right from that date onwards what we've got is what we've got then it's about performance rather than it's about continuing to correct 
um, potential potential flaws in in the styles. So did, did you obviously you, you had experiences of countries that kind of did overcoach? How on the whole then was there not much coaching? Like what in a sense of technical versus was it, was it what type of coaching did you witness from the ones that were doing it right? Very little, which was which was which was which again goes back to how we started was yeah. the was the the confidence and the understanding of where we are and where we are with the face. It was very. I mean, of course, there's coaching and and there's very coaching takes on various forms. I'm talking about technical coaching. I'm talking about things yeah. that potentially go inside an athlete's head. And when you when the athlete walks out onto the floor, you don't want them thinking about. Where's my right arm? Should I grip tighter on the left? You know, where's where am I catching the bar? Where's where's the bar making contact? What's first, second, third, fourth, fifth, twelfth, fifteenth pull? Um, do you know? And, and and you don't want the athletes having that in their head. You want them going out feeling quite free and quite relaxed and quite um, aggression and and calmness can go hand in hand. And, and a sort of a calm aggression is is the perfect mindset for in weightlifting. Um, <clears throat> so what, what coaching so you didn't see much technical from the successful yeah. guys what what was it that you did see well I saw it saw exactly exactly what we're talking about more encouragement understanding uh, for me it was for me it was very discipline based and I like that you know I, I, I think people um in the modern so era, the approach, the approach, the approach was, was very, very disciplined. It was very, very structured. It was very, very organized. It was very, very timed. It was very, very all the things that just sort of negate insecurity uh, were taken care of. And I think that's the coach's role in the performance phase is to negate insecurity. Um, and so, and so the timings were there. And and if an athlete, you know, I'll I'll go over and say that wasn't good enough. You know, hey, go for a walk, come back, let's get this right. Walk over there, put your head straight, come back. Let's get this right. Like laziness, uh, things like that, I won't accept uh, under any circumstances in the warm up, uh, because the second we let our standards slip, we let the insecurities in. Um, and again, those standards aren't unrealistic, but we know what we can do, and we know what our levels are, and we know where we are. And um, and having those sort of adhered to, and having those. Uh, nailed down and correct are more important than technical coaching in preparation in, in competition phase I'm sorry um, and so and so from that that's what I saw with the, especially the, the Chinese coach I mean I just love this he'll put up a chair <laughs> you know they just they all you know the cult I mean we talk often about the culture of sport and perhaps we should go into that maybe do another podcast on culture sport culture and but the culture of the sport is to pull up a chair they all sit <clears throat> and they very rarely get up off the chair um, and they direct from almost like a director's yeah. chair which is which is class it's, it's just incredible to watch um, and it's very it's it's very it's authoritarian but it's fair it's not sort of dictated authoritarian it's very much like we're working together and this is the team I mean spoke spoke with one of the one of the sort of head Chinese coaches and he was saying that his salary uh, do you speak Chinese me yeah no 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 he uh, fortunately um, speaks English speaks English um, he was explaining that his um, his um, his salary so when he's employed he needs to he needs to dictate how many gold medals he's going to win uh, on his employment. And his salary is based off of how many gold medals he'll win. 
um, and when his contract's up, if he hasn't reached that, he pays back the money he didn't get. <laughs> wow. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Like, like, Performance-driven yeah. uh, I mean, for, employment. You, you know my opinion. There's a lot of coaches talking um, and there's not a lot of coaches walking. Um, and I love that. You know, for me, I would, I would thrive under that pressure. Um, um, and, and so, yeah, anyway, that's sort of a, a small tangent, but it's just a very interesting anecdote from, from, yeah. from listening to them. And he's, and so, so you're talking about a guy who's under pressure. It's talking about a guy whose uh, livelihood and salaries and, and everything else is, is basically under this, under this curse, if you like, of what he's already put himself out there. He's literally had to put his goal on the line and say, this is how good I will be. Did he hit that level? Um, well, he's still working, mate. He's still working. Yeah, he's still in contract, so we don't know. Um, but, but interestingly, um, he he's watching his style, and he's he's very, he's very, get the things we already do well right, and it will all be okay. You know, there was there was certainly nothing new. There was certainly no overcoaching. There was certainly no technical points. There was perhaps. Hey, come on, snappier, you know. But that's not a te- technical point. It was sort of intent, intent. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. intent, a lot of mindset, a lot of um, how we think, um, rather than again walking around seeing some some of the, the less experienced coaches in the room. They were sort of working on different aspects of the technical aspects of the of the lifts two days before an event, um, which was was very disappointing to see. Um, but again, there was no, you know, I, I took one, one afternoon where I just sort of sat in there and, and watched on my own and, but there was no sort of, well, what's he doing and what's he watching and why is he watching us and why is there sort of that? And he almost, I didn't do it, but I would feel like if I was went over and sat next to them, it wouldn't have been a problem. You know, you see the countries interacting with each other and laughing and joking and there's a seriousness when we get to business, but it was... It was very calm. It was a very nice atmosphere. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the the experience of being in there and, and interacting with with the coaches at that level. How does that compare to your experience in CrossFit in the short time that you've been going to competitions there? <clears throat> well, again, in, in CrossFit, I think you've still got um, um, you've still got the. I mean, I, I'll, I'll openly admit I'm not. I'm quite an introverted person. I'm not. I'm not the person who work, walks into a room and jumps around and shakes everybody's hand and initiates conversation. I love to talk. Um, I love to engage with people and have conversation. But I'm, it's just not me naturally just to walk around and 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 have that interaction. Um, and and again, I think it's the same. You see, you see the good coaches. They you can always see a good coach because they're calm. You know, they're, they're calm and easy. They've been there before. They've seen it. And then you can see the the coaches that are running around and their athletes turning up to every event two minutes late and three minutes late and they you know it's just these are the, these are the athletes that that should be at the top of their sport um, and the coach can't get them to the to the tight to the meeting gate on time one of the first things we talked about is we don't need to be the first in there but when the athlete when 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 they call us we're ready and we go um, you just look at having the area you're working within at events you know some people just just not even not even bothering to clear up bottles and packets and wrappers and and everything else like that around them and and, and it, might, it might sound pedantic but for me it goes into the, it goes into the athlete's head you know if, if my coach's standards are dropping and I'm allowed to be in a messy area and I'm allowed to be three four minutes late while all my 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 peers people who actually I should have have respect from are standing waiting for me you know, if I can't get that right I'm never going to win anything um, and and I'm 
interestingly enough, these are a lot of the guys who are who are banging on the perfection drum uh, as coaches, but just not sort of when they're teaching, but not actually not actually living up to it when we. Um, when we go to competition. So I think that's very interesting to, to look at. And then, and then you see some of the, what you would call, I would never call them lesser athletes, but sort of the lower down the leaderboard athletes, how well they do it um, and how well they're performing with, with some experienced coaches. And, and that's very interesting again. Um, in terms of weightlifting, um, I think, I think the same applies it the same applies in crossfit i think crossfit uh, coaches massively overcoach weightlifting um and and the simplicity of the uh, particularly i talk about the bulgarians and the chinese because they were the ones we were sort of warming up next to and uh, and training next to so i got a lot of i got, was able to see a lot of what they were doing um and as i say talking to, to the chinese coach i sort of Put my put my toe in the water and tested him a little bit and sort of talked about uh, the, the the three pulls in snatch, for example. And then I said to him, "Have you do you have an athlete that that can feel it?" And he he sort of looked at me and he said, "They think they can, you know." And it's him from cycling, you know. The in the old days we yeah. paint all the bikes black. <clears throat> he said, "Can you feel the difference between the one from 1970 and the one from 2010?" And nobody could. <laughs> um, and and like he says, they can feel if the bar's away from them. You know, they can feel yeah. if they've, they've, they've lost the bar out forwards. But in terms of, of anything else, they can't feel it. So you sort of bang, scream in their ear of, you know, contract this and hold this and pull in this and squeeze this here and push, in, push this there. You know, it's, you have to be, I mean, he, his own words, you have to be very careful with the, the cueing that you're giving. Um, and... What did he give examples of what he, he, he would cue? Or? He he didn't know. Um, we we the conversation sort of drifted further on, and and I sort of I tried to lead him a little bit on that, um, and and my sort of because because my philosophy of of of, of, of especially snatching is is quite straightforward. Um, it's it's initially getting the bar into a good position and then being powerful from the hips, and I think. I think if, if the if the snap from the hip is there and the intent is there, um, the rest of it follows. And, and he he was very much he was very much in agreement. He was very much in agreement that that pauses and holds and just drive static strength. It doesn't you know what which ultimately what we're trying to do with the snatch exercises. We're trying to be as powerful as possible in in around forty degrees of hip hip extension uh, from flexion to extension. You know, essentially that's our our primary goal. And do you think that comes from within CrossFit that that's driven that that process of pausing and everything is because CrossFit encompasses the powerlifting elements so they they then use they're using kind of the the elements of training from other sports to gain strength yeah and therefore they're bringing it in but then potentially negating the the I think, actual i think it's born out of two technique. two things essentially i think the first thing is that crossfit is the sport for for the and when i say I mean, the, the sort of attention deficit <laughs> group you know we crossfit the reason i'm attracted to crossfit and the reason most people are attracted to crossfit is because it's new it changes something's different every time and it's why it, it keeps fitness fresh um and so it for one it's born out of coaches just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff um having well, well let's just try and vary this as much as possible let's try to put something new into it and how far can we take that and then and then and and, and moving from there and then 
And then secondly, it's born out of the the misunderstanding that strength and power are the same thing. Um, And of course, having some increased strength helps, but but it's not about strength. It's about power. Uh, And power seems to, unfortunately, get lost in CrossFit. The ability to be explosive. Um, if you're if you're not snatching, you're not clean. There's not much else power. You know, not doing 50 meter sprints or max box jumps for height or you know. Um, but to be honest, I mean, within CrossFit itself, obviously the programming dictates that guys need to be able to cycle a barbell. Yes. But then with that barbell cycling, the side effect of barbell cycling is they're not going to do a max velocity hip explosion on every rep because no. they're absolutely going to. It's going to send heart rate through the roof and then they're going to make the workout feel a lot harder so that they're always kind of operating at that that kind of sub-maximal output so that they can sustain the workload. Whereas if they sprint the barbell for uh, straight away, then they're just going to die out. Yeah. Um, which <clears throat> the video that might still be on YouTube somewhere but where Sam Sam Briggs goes against one of our um, one of the Commonwealth gold medalists from Wales um, and they have uh, Isabel off and you see the the Olympic weightlifter she sets off like she's doing a one rep max and the intent for the first three reps is just the same as she's trained it's yeah. that explosivity yeah. and it quickly quickly dies off technique goes all of it breaks down and obviously because she's in a completely untrained energy system whereas Sam does Isabel in sub one minute 40 seconds and rep one and rep 30 look the same it's nowhere near as powerful um, it's just that that, that 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 level below max that the CrossFitters need and then so yeah, is that nature of the programming, the nature of the the need to have the endurance side of lifting versus versus the all-out power that an Olympic weightlifter has? Are we seeing that? I understand what you're saying, but I don't necessarily agree with you. Yeah. I know you, I understand your point. It's two different sports. Like, don't call snatch barbell cycling one rep max snatching. It's the same difference between a muscle up and uh, a squat jump. They're two different sports. They're two different exercises and they shouldn't be viewed the same. Um, I completely agree. Uh, <clears throat> if we, we, we're talking about Olympic weightlifting and we're talking about hitting a one rep max, yeah. that's what the sport is. And and I've been to three events this year. I mean, it doesn't account for a great deal. If you're talking about percentage workouts at a competition, it doesn't account for a great deal. So as a coach, you need to also decide how much of how what percentage of training am I going to use to focus on this? And having a higher number will also help the cycling. And of course, there's carryover between the two, but there's also carryover between cycling and ring muscle-ups in the fact that cycling gives an aerobic ability and ring muscle ups require oxygen so so there's carryover between anything and anything you can always find the carryover um, but when we're working on one we're working on one and when we're working on the other we're working on the other and, and that's and, and that's where the, the, the waters get muddied in exactly the, the thought process you know you justify it with what well, I need to cycle a barbell so I also have to do this no when we work on bar cycling, we work on bar cycling. <laughs> when we're working on our one rep max snatch, we do things perfectly. We do things we don't do. 
we don't do the rep- rep- repeatability. We rest. We take. I mean, t- my programming for for that is, is do this and then have ninety seconds rest. And they look at me like, why would I need ninety seconds rest? I'm fresh to go. Your nervous system's not. Um, get your snap. Get your ability, and and don't look for. 55 different exercises for a snatch session don't look for i mean athletes videoing them and then between sets i've not met many athletes who are good enough to look at the video and say well i'm doing this wrong i'm doing that wrong it's very difficult to self self-analyze even even when you're looking at a video and so what tends to happen is that, that the guys will look at their video and then say sort of oh i need to work on this and then the next rep all the focus is on that and you just get this negative spiral and you get this or this it's, it's find three or four drills as we've done find three or four drills which have a good influence and make them perfect and yes it's boring being the best is boring <laughs> like it is it is a boring process Do, don't especially in some highly skillful technical uh, lifting. I mean, the skill element of barbell cycling is is a way off of the one rep max. It, it drops down in skill as the, as the threshold increases, which was our, our last podcast essentially. Um, and do yeah, do not sacrifice one for the other. If we're doing this, do it right. Like sit with a bar, get your drills, make get your four drills, and make them perfect, and do them until they're perfect then we might have an opportunity to move something with, with the snatch. What happens when the, when the waters get muddy, we're always just doing a little bit of it. And oh, I need some variation. So today I'm going to do this session. So I mean, I think I've pretty much programmed the same snatch pyramid, as we call it, um, with the same four to six drills for, for the best part of, of, of 14, 15 training sessions where we're working on it maybe once or twice a week. And yes, it's it's... Yes, it could be accused of being boring, and yes, it could be accused of being um, uh, sort of monotonous in, in that it's the same every time. But if you flip it around, and the psychology of the athlete is, it's not boring. It's an opportunity to perfect something or get as close to perfection as possible. That's exciting, and I think there's a lot of how you deliver that as a coach. Is it like, oh, you know, you go, I'm going to give you the same session. I'm lazy. I've only written the same session, you know, because I actually don't want to put variation in it. I'm just going to do this for you. Versus, look, mate, <laughs> this yeah, is these are the drills I've carefully selected for you. This is how you get better. I'm going to put due diligence into working with you to make sure these are right. When they're snappy, when they're perfect, we move on. But we're not moving on until this is right, a hundred percent right. Um, you get the buy-in from the athlete. They don't look for the boredom. I think they look for, for something new and something fun when when it hasn't been explained properly or it's overcoached and it becomes monotonous or it becomes sort of like in their heads. I think, I mean, within the Olympic weightlifting, it, it is on the skill versus threshold that is closer to darts. Absolutely. And the guy that's throwing darts is throwing a dart yeah every time i mean swimming swimming golf bowling cricket um snatching uh, are are pretty much the most technical sports i've I've missed one out i do apologize to her but sort of most technical technical sort of skill elements there are no they do require a lot of skill but we we can't process 15 coaching points at once and we can't process some and and we can't process someone standing over us telling us do this grip this do this do this this is it's it's one small thing at the time 
um, and it's perfected, perfecting four or five. I like to sort of restrict the athlete um, through my exercise selection to sort of force them into positions through the exercise selection so I don't necessarily need them to think about anything. So I like to sort of manipulate positions within within them, and and your philosophy as a coach, you know, you're not wrong. I don't think coaches just sit at home and say, "Right, I'm going to do the same way Phil does it," or "I'm going to look at so and so and do this." I think your instinct. I think you should trust your instinct and have a look at it and go, "Look, what what I'm going to look at snatch, right? I'm going to go. What are my three key points of snatching? What were the things that are the most important for me as a coach in snatching? And I'm going to look at my athlete and I'm going to say, "Do they have those three? And then if they have one, okay, then I've got two things to work on. And I'm only going to work on those two things. And I'm not going to say to the athlete, I need you, we need to fix these two things because he's going on. Because as soon as you start with that stuff, you just, you lost your athlete. Um, you need to then sit down with your program and go, right, how do I stimulate that reaction in this session with these two things I'm trying to improve? Well, how do I do that best? And you know what? If these are your core values as a coach, these are the three things you, you, um, you'll be judged on it because the athlete's results will judge you. So it's one of my favorite games is right. Okay. These are my three key points for this lift. I see one of them out of the three, right? I'm planning drills. I'm planning sessions around these two, which is, which is essentially what, what we're doing. And then when you see that those two drills are perfect, you then go back to the snatch or you, of course you're snatching the whole time, but you go back to the snatch and you see, right, where are the numbers? Numbers have gone up. You've probably made a good decision. <laughs> Numbers have gone down. You got it wrong. You learned something because a coach. Um, you might need to explain that to the athlete. You do it two or three times. I would imagine the athlete will find a new coach. It happens to us all. Um, that's part of life. Um, and gradually over time with experience, you'll boil down to your what, am I, what I call critical features. Um, you know, you come into a new sport. I've been lucky enough to coach across very uh, a sort of a vast array of sports. And the first thing I do when I come into a sport, as we've talked about, about is, is what are the critical features of this sport? Um, you won't get me to share them on CrossFit because um, I'm not going to give that to for free to our competitors. But but you come in, you go, right, I've got my critical features. If I hit these four points, it's going to be very difficult for anyone else in the world to beat us. Um, and I'm always working towards those those four sort of critical factors of the sport. And you come down into down into the individual elements of those sports. And then, of course, you then identify critical factors. Um, so now we're talking about weightlifting, we go to snatch, right? Okay, what are the four critical factors of snatching? Bang, has my athlete got them? No, that's all I'm working on. Um, it, 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 the sort of... the walking into a box and seeing the right let's get the, right, I need you to focus on the first pull and then you're not finishing I mean the one I hate the most is I'm not finishing the pull <laughs> yes okay good get the bar back in your hand stop thinking stop talking and just snatch like, I'm not finishing the pull what does that even mean I, I, don't, I don't finish the pull in other words you just you don't want to work anymore today like it's just uh, or you hear someone scream from the other side remember to finish the pull Okay, tell me how. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to? You want me to? When the bar's moving at that speed, you want me to focus on shrugging my shoulders or pulling harder or pulling out. Or as soon as I shout to some, finish the pull, they go over aggressive. Bar comes out in front of them, they miss it anyway. Never seen anyone get better from me screaming at them. Remember to finish the pull. Problem is they had they had one good experience of that coaching queue once. Yeah. And then it becomes a universal coaching queue. Yeah. Um 
And and I think we we can be, we should be, and we are smarter than that as coaches. Uh, we can do it with our drills. So if you see, I mean, if you see that you think that that they're not finishing the pool, <laughs> um, your next drill should reflect that, not not what you're verbally saying. So okay, good, we're not ready yet. Take some weight off the bar, put some weight on the bar, whichever way around you, you're going to do it. Uh, this is the next drill. Hit this drill. Once you hit this four or five times, meet them and go back into the snatch. See if it's different. And and that going right back to the beginning. That's what I saw from the best coaches in the world. Um, it's how I've always coached um, and that's what I saw from the best coaches in the world. I didn't see the verbal diarrhea that we that we see uh, now and the sort of the necessity for, for driving teaching points home. We saw coaches clever enough to be able to manipulate the next exercise, the next variable to stimulate the reaction or the chain reaction within the body to then stimulate the the critical factor of, of, of the lift, yeah. Because ultimately, the guys at that level, they've been snatching every day for yeah. 10, 15, 20 years. If they don't know the technical points of snatching by that point, there's probably a problem. So it, that's why the that's why you go to choose the te- techniques rather than give them the coaching points absolutely right because absolutely but they, they got there through experience and they got there through drilling and they got through yeah. there through doing things and I think to be good at anything takes time I think the other the other side of it is patience that drives a lot of the a lot of the variability and the mistakes we make is patience from the coach's side and the athlete's side and, and just appreciating these processes take years rather than, than days and weeks yeah yeah well it's been great topic mate it's been a great um insight into the differences across two different sports one obviously a very young sport um versus something that's been around for many many years in olympic weightlifting but been able to take take the experience of that sport and how it's coached that level and hopefully apply it into into crossfit we'll start to see some uh, just help coaches out there develop yeah, make them think absolutely. about things uh, in a different way. Absolutely. So, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Cheers, mate.